One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey, Rush Nation, before we get to today's show, which is an absolute banger, trust me on this, I want to tell you about the Fantasy Football Playbook. Murph and I have been working really hard, blood, sweat and tears have been pushed into our first publication and we are pleased to announce what you must have seen on Twitter by now, but we are releasing on June the 1st. It's a book about fantasy football. Shock, this is a fantasy football podcast, but it's got strategy guides for all formats, rookie player profile reviews, Murph's PAS metric, which is exclusive to the podcast and the book, and it is currently on pre-sale. So get it cheaper before it goes up on June the 1st. Head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk into the shop and go buy yourself the fantasy football playbook. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? We're back. New week. I'm heading back to work, just as a spoiler alert. If you don't hear from me a little bit, I am heading back to work. And we thought, what better way to celebrate normality than by bringing on one of our craziest friends from across the pond. But before we get to the dude, big man, how you doing? We are on video, so the hair and beard is in full glorious HD today. Yeah, there's 70 odd days of lockdown now. And, you know, you talk about back to normality. For me, it's exactly the same. I'm still working. Uh, some of us haven't had a, a government paid vacation like like some of my co-hosts. <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, right, wink. Listen, so if you, you know, if you want some, to, some if of you us get be paid to look going. after your son all day, if he's running around, I tell you what, you come do forty-five days of looking after my boy, and you'll think eighty percent is not enough. So <laughs> right. I'm, I'm quite happy with we just doing my job at home and <laughs> still got a job, so I should be thankful for that really. And, and yeah, the hair's a, a mess and everything else is. Um, but hey ho, it's it's the best day of the week. Got one of my favorite guests of all time. We're going to uh, talk about a lot of good things, uh, including. Uh, 
his favourite football team, the Patriots. But so I guess you should do the honours and introduce. Well, he could be. You know, let's hope he's not a bandwagon and comes down to Tampa, right? But. <laughs> they're not welcome i've told you i've closed the border there's no more bandwagon fans we had three and that was it done so coming back for his fourth appearance this amazon best-selling author of the fantasy black book host of the fantasy football black book podcast is joe pisa pia joe welcome back yet again man how are you doing i'm doing great man this is fun i am so happy to be back with you guys this is one of my favorite shows and you know I always tell the truth, for better or worse, so I love talking with you guys, and uh, I can already tell we are off to a great start. I want to say, first off, doing the video here, there's only one word to describe Murph's hair right now, and it is luscious. It is luscious. <laughs> it is, and the beard, everything just, it just flows so well. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like Fozzie Bear came to life. It's really... <laughs> It's just magical. I love it. You look so good. Especially he's got that enormous swoop in the front. I am so jealous as a bald man of that incredible swoop. Oh, my God. And he just touched it. Look at that. <laughs> it is unbelievable. But, yes, guys, it's, uh, it's fun to be here. And I will never, ever bandwagon myself. I am a Patriots fan who goes back to the Drew Bledsoe era. And I still got the Drew Bledsoe jersey in the closet. Just every now and then you got to pull that out and prove to the general public that you're an actual Patriots fan. But uh, the Jarrett Stidham era, <clears throat> I guess, has begun. <laughs> for the Wait, you, you mean Drew Bledsoe's not coming back? I'm sure he could uh, walk on the team. He, he might be able to. I mean, right now, with the, I mean, Brian Hoyer's playing. So, I mean, how, how much closer can Drew Bledsoe be to that? But congratulations. I hope you enjoy the, the waning years of Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. I'm, uh, I'm anxious to see what they have left in the tank. And honestly, I'm rooting for them because I just love those two guys, two of my favorite players. So. Yeah, and uh, and when I can loan to you for a little while, and I want you to, you know. <laughs> well, and and when we get Julian Edelman, um, you know, to complete the entire gang, because there's no way Edelman's staying. Like he can't just be. Yeah, he's like, what is this? Like everyone's left. He's like the last one at the party. He's the one that's picking up the tab. He's yeah. gonna be like, nah, screw this. I'm off. I'm off to Tampa. It's apparently it's the place to be. Um, who thought? knew? I mean, some of us knew like 20 years ago, but I'm glad that the rest of the world is catching up and realizing that actually Tampa is where it should be. And listen, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, for us long suffering Bucks fans. That's the last sort of 12 years have really sucked, <laughs> like yes, really sucked. Right. Um, I, I was massively against the, the Gruden firing. I thought he was doing the best of a bad job. And I know he's not a great talent evaluator, but you go get a talent evaluator. It's not a problem. You just go get one of those guys who can actually draft. Mm-hmm. And then you give him the team to coach and then you're okay. Um, but well, I think that's what they're doing in Vegas too. I mean, Mike Mayock mm-hmm. is, well, here's the, the weird part is I did not like this year's Mayock draft, but I thought last year was actually pretty good and actually got very good, but I'm going to trust Mayock because I always feel like he's one of the smarter guys in the game, even though I did not get their first pick, especially with the guys that were still on the board. <laughs> I didn't know why Ruggs was the first guy after Judy and CD. Oh, I, I, I know. I, I spotted a little something on the, on the telecast. So their strategy is really clear. It's pick a top five school guy. And what you do and what John Gruden did is he wrote all the times of all the players. They're 40 times. Mm-hmm. So he just looked and went, oh, Ruggs, he's got the, oh, so he's number one. Right. We'll, we'll, he's we'll take him. He's the best guy. guy. Like speed. I want That's a it. real speed guy. I mean, Look how the, fast he is. He looks so good. Too bad Derek Carr can't throw the ball downfield. It's all right. They got Marcus Mariota. They're sorted. <laughs> That's right. That makes everything better. Oh, my they God. They got two guys who can't throw it down there. Between them, they should be fine. But no, it's it's great. And 
I think I think with Tampa, I think it's just going to be a lot of fun this year. I think with with everything, I think I just really hope it happens now. Even if there's a delay, even if we have to wait till October till it's fine and and clear, we got the schedule out. Um, it sucked for me big time having five games on telly. Um, I can tell you at one o'clock in the as, morning. <laughs> as an American, I can tell you if they have to play games in a closed off arena surrounded by warheads and um, everybody in hazmat suits, they're going to play NFL football in the United States. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of things in the United States that are negotiable right now. I don't think NFL is one of them. I really don't. Not from a revenue standpoint, not for the powers that be and not what's going on. So I would feel very confident about that season happening. And I would feel very confident, uh, even if it was delayed by some measure, that it would continue to go on. I think the most difficult thing, though, and I don't know if you guys agree, is without OTAs, I kind of wonder if that stunts the growth a little bit for these rookies who all seem to have gotten into situations, or at least some of them, where there's already backs ahead of them in some fashion. I wonder if it makes their road in 2020 a little more difficult. That's going to be fascinating to watch. Absolutely. I I think with some players, they've landed in the perfect spot and they'll be fine. I think you, you'll have, you'll take certain players and you think, I'm thinking off the top of my head, I think people like um, Clyde Ebertelaire, I think will be mm-hmm. fine. I think he will just, just duck to water. He'll be fine. Um, Keyshawn Fawn, I think will be fine. I think. You mean uh, Ronald Jones 2.0? Ah. <laughs> The difference is Keyshawn Vaughn can block. That's the big difference. Uh, that's, like, that's, hope... that's the really key. No, he can't. The one thing... well, that's the other thing too, man. I mean, they need to figure out something there because they, they do not run the football well. And as somebody who's watched more Tom Brady than anybody the last you know four years, they really propped him up with the running game. Yeah, that was a had... serious thing. But when you play an 87-year-old geriatric <laughs> at right tackle with DeMar Dotson, <laughs> who literally, I don't know how he survived. He literally yeah. was there. He survived like 12, 13, 14, I don't know how many years. He was there a long time. He was there a long time. But, you know, but, you've, you've got to support Brady with a running game. I know, you know, taking away 20-something interceptions out of <laughs> out of a season Winston. isn't positive moving to Brady. But Brady is not Brady from, you know, 2008. He's not the same Brady. But he's still a very effective Brady, in my opinion. And I think, he's, I think he feels, like, juiced again. Like, I think he feels ready to go. But you've got to give him some running game. Because you can't just, even though he's more mobile in the pocket than he used to be, he's not what we call fleet of foot still, too. You'll you'll see a lot of that. <laughs> no, of course. But you've got Marpet, who for me is probably one of the most underrated mm-hmm. offensive linemen in, in the NFL. You've got Tristan Wirfs now, who, and, and so between those two, they should create a yeah, monster. Yeah, I love the Wirfs pick. I think he was a tremendous yeah. addition. Yeah, I think between them, they'll create a monster run game. And then, the you know, the, the guy that, that, nobody's really talking about is the seventh round pick Raymond Calais. That kid is fast. I mean, he is rapid. Is he John um, Gruden fast? Oh, he's John Gruden fast. John Gruden <laughs> is crying. He didn't get him. He he would give rugs a race. John Probably Gruden, not. John Gruden got <laughs> so hard when he looked at those 40 times. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I just love the fact when you took a deep dive into their houses and you could see his board and it was just all the, I just thought that was amazing. I was like, <laughs> way to put your strategy Belichick's, on television. I mean, Belichick's house where it's just the dog drafting. He's like, yeah, whatever. NFL I'm drafting. giving nothing away. <laughs> I don't really care. What do I, what's on? Uh, I'll take two tight ends and a kicker. Eh, whatever. Like, you whatever. Just, <laughs> and not just any kicker. I'm going to take a kicker that's going to piss off everybody. They move out of the first round and then they take a guy that I've never heard of. And I'm not the biggest college football nerd. I've, I've tried really hard in the last few years to get better about it. 
and I was actually, you know, it's hard when you're working on Saturdays for 10 years and all of a sudden you're not, and then you're able to watch a lot more. But they took a kid from, I'd never heard of, from a school that I'd never heard of. And I just throw my hands up and I have to trust the process. Like I have to say like, well, I mean, it's, it's the Patriots. I'm, I'm pretty sure they know what they're getting in Duggar, but we'll see. I thought it was a wine province in France. So I was like, oh. <laughs> I thought it was one of those kids from that. Wasn't that that like the lady who had 18 kids and counting? Wasn't that Duggar family? I thought it was one of their kids, but it wasn't. So we'll find out. Uh, well, Stocks is just happy because his his team just drafted a lot of toys. Well, I forget what's what's your allegiance. You've been quiet over there. Oh, the Denver Broncos. Let me tell you, I'm using the phrase with Drew Locke this year: "Too big to fail." What do you think of that, Stocks? <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> right? I mean, it's... I feel like that's it. If you give me Cortland Sutton, you give me Jerry Judy, you give me Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay and Noah Fant, decent and enough Bo. offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if he stinks, it's on him. Like, it is a completely on you. That's, I think he's a very viable, low end, super flex quarterback this year. I really do. But, but the thing is, how, how, who is his replacement? So if he, if you uh, go Cam halfway Newton. through the season, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think you replace him though. That's the thing. I think they've. Me and Murph talked about this on uh, last week's show or something. We when we did a bit of a draft breakdown and we talked about the Broncos. We talked. Murph said about how. They've given him everything to succeed. And if he doesn't, then that's it. You're done. You, there's no point in replacing him with someone like Cam Newton who could get a couple of wins. If you're going to fail, you might as well fail in the most spectacular way and get one of the top picks and then take Fields or Lawrence or whoever's there and, and try again almost. But uh, but take that out of the equation. So what happens if, and I really hope this doesn't happen and I, I never, ever wish injury on anybody. He goes down Jimmy Garoppolo style for week three into the season. Then what? Who, who's coming out to throw the rock for the remaining 13 games Cam of the season? Cam Newton. <laughs> well, if Cam, if, I, by the way, the easiest thing that the Jacksonville Jaguars have to do is pick up the phone of his agent and just sign him because the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to lose so much money from not being in London because they can't sell out their own stadium. Do you know how you sell out a stadium? You call Cam Newton. If Cam Newton turns up, all of a sudden those seats get filled. It's not hard. Yeah. From a commercial perspective, Cam Newton will sell out because he is a box office guy. Like him, love him, hate him. He's he's so polarizing, he sells tickets. Well, and Jeff since, Driscoll is the backup right now in Denver. I had to look it up because I <sighs> remember off the top of my head. So. Jeff Driscoll. Jeff O'Driscoll. What a lad. <laughs> where, was he, where was he at last? De- Detroit? <sighs> yeah, it yeah. must have been Detroit. Yeah. Not last season, was... the season before. Yeah, I don't know where he was last year. He was uh, sowing his oats somewhere. He's, I think he's he might have been buried <laughs> I think he was at Denver last year. I think he, he was, was. Yeah, he was, yeah, he played. Yeah, he was buried Bryce there. Rippon was there as well. Yeah, Rippon. Oh, there Rippon. Yeah. Bring yeah. back Tom Savage. Just give <laughs> Tom Savage enough. <laughs> just, just dial up Tim Tebow because he's not going to be playing baseball, is he? Let's just see if he'd come back and play a little bit. But uh, the best $4 million they could have spent would be on Andy Dalton. I mean, imagine that hair in Denver orange. That's absolute. Oh, yeah, they, they have missed the boat there. Yeah. You know, I, I'll tell you what, I think a lot of people missed the boat. I think if you are... I think if you're the Bears, you're pissed off about that, right? Like you're the Bears. The Bears just, you know, continue to be just utter dysfunction, right? They go out there and they acquire uh, Nick Foles when a couple weeks later, Andy Dalton, they had to know Andy Dalton was going to get cut. Like if nobody was going to trade a pick for him. You had to know the cut was going to come one way or another. And I understand not wanting to wait and I get all that. But at the same time, I mean, Andy Dalton could go in there with the Bears, and I think Andy Dalton could win some games with Allen Robinson and turn Montgomery around. Oh, 100%. You know, and same thing. I mean, if he ends up in Denver, Andy Dalton's not 
the worst quarterback in the world. He's just not. He's a guy that's gotten to the playoffs many times. He's never won there. But, I mean, I want to hang some of that on Marvin Lewis, if I may. But I just I can't believe that the Bears and the Broncos and some other teams kind of missed out on that. I get the Broncos, though. They're trying to give Drew Locke a little bit of a vote of confidence. But, look, I mean, again, look at all the weapons. If he fails this year, it's it's on him. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean – as a Denver fan, obviously, I'm hoping he doesn't. And I'm hoping he doesn't get injured too much. Because he wasn't that bad last year. I know no, it sounds no, like a kidding. backhanded compliment, but he wasn't that bad. He wasn't no. as bad as everyone thought he would be, and neither was Daniel Jones. So No, absolutely not. I just realized, by the way, that the um, the Jags can't sign Cam Newton because they spent all their money on Mike Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Jaguars are, are definitely in the tank. That's the team this year that, you know, if you're, if you're putting your money on an under, that's the one to do it on, I think. Oh, yeah. I, I think Minshew, when he gets dropped, because he will, uh, for Mike Glennon. <laughs> God. I can't wait for Mike Glennon. I, Mike Glennon, I, I love him so much just because he somehow always gets a job and he's the nicest guy. But he is, he is terrible. He should not be in the NFL for talent-wise. <laughs> my, my favorite story with Mike Glennon is, so I went to the London Games a few years ago. It was, um, the Dolphins were playing. And um, I had a friend. I had a spare ticket. So uh, one of my wife's friend's husbands is into NFL. And he said, yeah, I'll have, the, I'll have the ticket. I was like, cool. He's a Bears fan. Been a Bears fan since late well, mid 90s late 90s whatever and i was like yeah okay come along and he's like right now i'm here i've got to buy a jersey and the only bears jersey that you could buy was a mike glennon jersey oh my god <laughs> so really did, i remember though. this i think i remember you sending a photo of the guy's glennon jersey yeah yeah so the guy <laughs> bought a mike glennon jersey so he paid probably i don't know 65 70 pounds for a mike <laughs> glennon jersey <laughs> it's close to 100 bucks and he wore it with pride and then the game happened, and he was like, yeah, great game. The very next week, Mike Glennon got cut. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that jersey now? That's why I you think he still got it. And I was like, oh, amazing. And I, amazing. I sent a tweet to Mike Glennon, and he unfortunately didn't respond to say, um, hey, you know, somebody internationally has bought your jersey. This has probably never happened. So, you know, enjoy <laughs> the moment. <laughs> oh, God. So well, what sure would... he thought that was a compliment or not. <laughs> It was a bit of both. I just wanted to see if I get some form of reaction. It didn't Is happen. It seeing as we're, we're talking about quarterback dysfunctionality and uh, you are a Patriots fan, Joe. <laughs> oh, What's happening over in that room, man? Like... <laughs> <laughs> What's happening over in that room is everybody is gearing up to play offensive war and the Patriots have decided to go the other route. They are going to play defense. They're going to play a lot of defense. And I feel like they think they're going to win games by just running the football into oblivion and playing defense. And I don't know if they're wrong. I mean, the Buffalo Bills, it's their division to lose. I mean, their Bills are a very, very complete team. Josh Allen is not a finished product, but Josh Allen is a very um, – he's the kind of quarterback that changes the momentum of a game. You know, when he makes that big first down on the third and long with his legs and all those things, like he makes those backbreaking plays in those big moments. Now, sometimes he still makes mistakes also, but he's, he's still got a lot of raw talent, a lot of raw athleticism when you watch him play, but they can run the football. Well, they added digs. The defense there is terrific. I think it's the best secondary in the league. I thought so last year. I'm going to hold true to that this year too. I don't think there's a better one. And if they somehow fail, again, it's it's kind of on them. It's because either Josh Allen gets hurt or he really plays poorly. But the Patriots are going to compete. And I know everybody wants 
realized I kind of shrugged them off here and I can understand why. I went back and I watched a lot of footage on Stidham too to kind of, because I do all the black book profiles for the quarterbacks. And he's definitely one of these quarterbacks you look at it kind of like Jordan Love where he had a really good season and then he had a down season right before the draft and it kind of hurt his value, um, you know, just generically speaking. And Stidham is a guy that's in the system, which is a very complicated system to learn. I think they feel confident with him in that sense. And they're going to give him a run here. I mean, you know, Tom Brady, nobody was real confident in him. I'm not saying he's going to be Tom Brady, but if he becomes a, a very serviceable quarterback, it would not shock me. I don't think when you go back and watch him play at Auburn that he was a, a terrible quarterback. By any stretch of means. And I think they're going to, you're going to see more Damian Harris this year. You're going to see Harris. You're going to see Sony Michelle. You're going to see James White. You are going to see them running the hell out of the football because they have no choice. And it's very important. The other tight end that they drafted, they're going to use like a fullback to replace Devlin. And if you recall last year when Devlin got hurt, that kind of so went the offense because they were unable to run the football because they like to run out of that power eye and use the fullback. And they struggled at the goal line without the fullback and Devlin retired this year. And they're trying to make the new tight end that they drafted that guy. So we'll see how he adapts to that role. But that has been a piece of this, you know, Patriot offense since Belichick, actually means since Parcells. That's how long this goes back with that, that fullback running the football there behind him. So I think that's going to, you're going to see that kind of blossom again. And that's where the Patriot season went down last year is when Devlin got hurt, the running game stopped. The, they got terrible in the red zone because they couldn't get those extra yards. And, you know, we'll see if they can rebuild that now. Which, sorry, Joe, because they drafted two tight ends. Which uh, one are you referring not, it's, to? Uh, God, he just, the name just went out of my head. This is what happens Azzy. when you just come fresh from a, from a, <laughs> from, from a two-hour baseball show <laughs> right <laughs> onto this. So, you know, my mind is, uh, is crap right now, but um, not, not the first tight end. Not, uh, not Azzy Azzy, the other not guy. Not Azzy Azzy, the other guy. I can't remember his name now. Oh, God. I want to say it begins with a B. Uh, Dalton Keene. Dalton no, Keene. Dalton Keene. Keen. So Keene is going to be like in that H-back kind of thing. So, and, that, and that makes a lot of sense because that is – what the Patriots did is I think they're trying to get younger and they're trying to get more athletic on defense. And they lost some age off this team. You know, they did. Some good players, but some older ones. And this is what they do. They get rid of guys before their expiration date. You know, they tried to do it with Brady a couple of years ago and management said no. And they said, all right, well, we'll roll the dice one more time. And they got another championship out of it. So they worked, but they weren't going to roll the dice twice. There was no way Belichick wasn't going to get his way the second time. And it was just time. It was time for everybody to turn the page. I mean, it had to happen some point. So good for Brady. I hope he does well. Like I said, I'm, I'm curious to see how he, you know, how he does in a different environment. You know, it's going to be fascinating to watch. It's going to be, and the fact that they're going to, you know, be playing New Orleans right off the bat. I mean, how great is that, right? I mean, the schedule's great. I mean, to, to that to be the first game, I mean, I like the fact they put five games of ours on TV, including the Giants, and yet they didn't put, you know, that one on TV. That one baffles me. Instead, we've got to put up with the Denver-Tennessee on Monday Night Football. It's a, it's a really bad matchup on uh, first Well, week. not for stocks, it's not. He's excited. No. Yeah, man, what, what's this all about? Well, Denver, Denver, great. But I'm just saying, it's more, it's more the Tennessee. Um, I might have got that game wrong. It might not be Denver. I don't know. Who doesn't like Derrick Henry? I love me some Derrick Henry. Oh yeah, I, I love him when he plays the Jags twice a year, runs for two, <laughs> like 400 combined yards. But <laughs> it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that it should be on prime time. Um, you mentioned Jordan Love there, so I want to segue because we're going to get into the draft stuff in a second. I want to know your thoughts because you are honest and straight talking. I want to know your thoughts on the Packers draft. Just remember, 
where this is would a you rate? Show. It's a family <laughs> show, but at all time, is this the worst draft you have ever seen? Well, I mean, I would say that, but I think it's vintage Packers. I mean, like, I mean, think about the last couple of years. They keep drafting these wide receivers that don't work, whether it be St. Brown, whether it be Allison, whether it be, I mean, just you go down the, the road. They haven't been able to find a second wide receiver in years since Jordy Nelson wasn't playing anymore. They haven't been able to find anybody. And they fail constantly with that. Then this, I didn't get moving up for it, number one. That, that was the most mind-blowing part of it. And number two, this is a team that made the playoffs last year. The Bears stink. The Vikings are very inconsistent. You never know which Vikings are going to show up. And if I was Aaron Rodgers, I'd be pissed. I would be pissed because I think they could have gotten Jordan Love in the second round. And I don't see there being an issue with that. <clears throat> and if I'm Aaron Rodgers, who I'm not the biggest fan of anyway, I just feel like that's it really put him in a bad spot. Like, you know, you want more pieces to compete right now. You want, especially in a very good wide receiver class, there were still guys on that board that I think could have helped that team. God knows they could use a secondary guy there besides Devontae Adams, and then nobody has emerged there. Aaron Jones is on the last year of his deal. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's puzzling to say the least. They could have the defense played well at times last year. They could have gone there. They could have gone up front with somebody. They, there were a lot of choices they had. Taking a quarterback to me made no sense doing it this year. Not, not when there's a window for you to win the North. And I think there's a window for them to win the North and it's Jordan love is not going to help them do that. Now I understand the other flip side of it is okay. Well, what if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt? Spoiler alert. You're not winning. If that happens anyway, you're not winning the division with Jordan love as a rookie anyway, maybe not even as a second year player. I don't know if he's ready to do that. I think Jordan love has some talent, but again, I think he needs to be in the right environment. It might be the right environment for him. But now you're putting Aaron Rodgers in that position that, you know, he was with Favre all over again, just in reverse. And I don't know, man, it was mind blowing that they moved up, mind blowing that they did it. And I think just, I, I can't, I, don't know, I just can't justify it. No, it is crazy. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers has only thrown one touchdown to a first round pick in his entire career. And that was last season when he threw to Mercedes Lewis. So you're sitting there thinking like this guy is, you know, Peyton Manning in comparison is throwing 293 touchdowns to first round picks. And you just think if you're Aaron Rodgers, it's like, look, I'm here. I've got X amount of time left. Now, I'm all right with you bleeding for the future, but do that with a third round pick, a fourth round pick. You know, if, if they drafted Jacob Eason in the fourth round, you go, yeah, that fair enough. Like, you've got to have somebody there. You can't run with Brett Hundley the rest of your life. Like, you've got to have someone who can throw a football more than two meters forward. So that kind of makes sense. But yeah, to not, and, and then fine, you've gone Jordan Love in the first round. Terrible pick, whatever. You deal with it. Maybe he is the best thing that they have ever seen in their lifetime. Maybe. Uh, Gudekunz and um, you know Matt LaFleur have, have looked to Jordan Love in a different way to everybody and gone, he is just the best quarterback ever. We've got to have him. Fine. Take a receiver in the second round. Like, what are you doing taking a running back? Like, what what is A.J. Dillon going to be doing number three on that depth chart uh, the this whole, year? The whole draft is so weird. I, I don't and know what, take, I, I don't get it. <laughs> and, and then you take Dagura as a tight end in the third round. That's just weird. You took a tight end last year. Like, if there's plenty of guys on waivers that you can, or free agency that you could have got as a secondary tight end, or you could have got some late. There were some good guys later on that you could have just taken a punt on. And you're thinking like, this is just, it's just the whole draft was just terrible. Or you even someone you think, like KJ Hamler in the third would have been unreal <sighs> for them opposite Devontae Adams. 
But even they say, they, they say okay, they, they, they love those three guys. They've gone with them. They've gone, right, we're going to move on from Aaron Jones in, in a year's time. So we're going to invest in, in Dylan now. Fine. Aaron, we're not sure where it's going to go. Jordan loves the best quarterback we've ever seen. Fine. Then you go with it. Okay, well, we've got no tight end, so let's just take one and we'll just put him in a race and see who comes out. It's stupid, but fine. You've still got the fourth round, the fifth round. There were some very good receivers that went. <laughs> and again, the golden. I mean, you, even yeah. even in the first round where they were, they still had their shot. I want to say they still had a shot Jefferson at the time, didn't they? And then they had a shot at Higgins still. No, Jefferson had gone. Jefferson, to Jefferson had just gone. Right? Okay, so Jefferson had gone, and then they Higgins just missed Ayuk. Higgins was, yeah, because Higgins fell the day too. So and he went. Pittman was still around, wasn't he? Pittman yep. was definitely still around, which would have been an absolutely perfect pick. I don't know. I just, it's it's so Chino- weird. It, Chino- there were a couple of teams that did have good drafts. I thought the, the Giants had a good draft, actually. I yeah, they, they did really well. Needs. Um, so Gettleman's taken a lot of crap the last two years, but I think that he's starting to show that, like, maybe he's not as crazy as everybody thinks he is. And uh, I thought the Dolphins had a good draft overall. I think they, they did exactly what they were supposed to do in the first couple of picks. I can understand people say, why did they take a running back? But you know what? Then they made that move for Brita, and I thought that was a very savvy little move. And, you know, let's, you know, continue to build this thing the way they're going there. So, but the Packers, man, I just I just shake my head, man. I just thought it was a weird draft. And, you know, if LaFleur is such a boy genius, then why did it take him so long to figure out to run Derrick Henry 25 game times a game? So <laughs> <laughs> trying to hand uh, the ball off to, to Deion Lewis when he was the OC there in Tennessee. I mean, I mean, I have nightmares about that still. <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously. It's just crazy. So looking at the draft now, we're a couple of weeks removed. We've been able to start studying some of these rookies. Who who stands out? If you're sitting there um, in rookie drafts, who who are the guys that you're thinking, you're looking at your lips for thinking, these are the guys I want to fall to me? Well, look, that's that's the tough part is the fall to you. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire landed in the exact spot that I, you know, that I could have possibly dreamed of. I remember watching him this year and saying to my cousin, I watched some of the LSU games with, I said, man, he reminds me of Brian Westbrook a little bit, <laughs> you know, not like the, not the, the fastest guy in the world, but man, he like, he just, he does those little extra things where he gets that extra yard for the first down or he, he breaks that one tackle you didn't expect and just things like that. And then he ends up with Andy Reid, And I just said, wow, like this is so, and I remember I texted Adam Ronis, uh, you know, cause we we're working on black, Book together. And I said, okay, check me here because should I be this excited that Edwards Hilaire ended up with Kansas city? He's like, Nope, I'm just as excited as you are. But the problem is, where we have to take him now because as a late second early third round pick okay that's fine i'd love to get him in the third or the fourth i don't think that's mm. going to happen no. but i've seen some people really start to reach for him and i don't know if i want to reach for him over Kenyon drake this year because damian williams is still there i don't like damian williams but the problem is without otas with this weird you know off season i don't know how many weeks it's going to take for edward to 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 get to where I want him to be. That is the tricky thing. Um, I actually surprisingly like where Jerry Judy ended up because he's not the only wide receiver because Cortland Sutton is the man. As I said on your show last year, many, many times in the off season and during the season, they proved with no matter who was playing quarterback, he was still pretty damn good at football. And now Judy is in a spot where he doesn't have all the attention on him. So I thought that was a very positive landing spot. Um, in terms of positive landing spots too, I think Swift landed in a good spot because I just don't believe in carry on Johnson. I just, I haven't, he was my bust pick in the black book last year. It turned out to be right. And I just don't see a universe where Swift doesn't take that job over at some point in the season. The tricky one is Taylor and Mac, because I think Mac is very, is very capable. 
but at the same time, then you look at, well, he was hurt last year and Taylor might be, you know, even more talented, but where do we stand in terms of, you know, comfortability? Is it going to be a hot hand situation? It's just a lot more questions than answers and that one. And that's, that's the trickiest one for me, but I think Edwards Alaire for me definitely is the guy that I'm most excited about landing spot. But then again, everybody is, and that's what makes it a very dicey scenario because he has to be the guy you want him to be to return second round value third or fourth. Eh, maybe you can live with, but second round value. That's a little tricky. I'm going to put a wild take on here. <clears throat> I think when draft season is really kicking up and we're getting to August time, I would not be surprised if his ATP sits at the one, two turn. No, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I got Sealy coming on the show on, on the black book on Monday because I'm making fun of him because he took Edwards Allaire with the sixth overall pick in the athletic mock. And I said, you're a whore. You're a whore for attention that you're doing this. It's crazy because <laughs> he just can't justify. I can't justify it. It's madness. And I, But he was also the same guy I gave him crap about Damian Williams last year, and he defended and We got in fun arguments about that. <laughs> I was right about that too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because it, it's, it's the risk reward thing. It's, you know, if you could take DeAndre Hopkins in the middle of the first round, you still take DeAndre Hopkins. You know, if you're getting Julio Jones, take what you know you can build a team around. And then you can take some shots as the draft goes on. But I think taking a shot at one is very difficult. At the turn, I don't know, man. Like, that's kind of hard, too. You're telling me, like, you're telling me that at the turn, you might be able to get, I don't know, Godwin and Hopkins. You'd rather take a layer if you're able to get, uh, I don't know, Kelsey and uh, not Kelsey. I mean, I wouldn't take a tight end there, but I'm trying to think of some other guys at the turn, like I mean, Joe Mixon and Devon and maybe Dalvin cook even slips down there this year. Who knows? I mean, I would take that in a heartbeat over Hilaire. I mean, even Henry, even Henry's at that stage and you know, they're going to run the wheels off him. If Let me tell you, there, give me all the Derrick Henry all day yeah. long. Last year, I, uh, my bold prediction was he leads the league in rushing. Yeah. It was glorious. It. It's glorious. <laughs> my, my fo- this is a true story. It's, it was like the week after Christmas, I want to say, or something like that. And I remember yeah. we're Italian. So we have like 12 Christmases. Like we have Christmas for like, I don't know. It's like, it's forever. And I had all my cousins over for another Christmas celebration. Right. And all of a sudden my phone's blowing up. It's a sudden I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like I just hear Twitter, Twitter. And I'm like, what the hell? And I go over and I look and it's all these people tweeting at me the NFL official Derek Henry <laughs> rushes for X number of yards and he ends up being the rushing title. And I went, well, look at that. Look at all. Finally, Twitter is a positive space, but he is going to do it again. I'm doubling down on it. How you like that? I'm doubling down. He's going to do it again. He's the guy they franchise him. I'm telling you right now, there's no reason not to give him the ball 25 times a game. And even if it's slow again in September, don't panic. It's going to happen. Once we turn into October, it becomes Derek Henry season. And you hand the ball off to him, and nobody wants to tackle him because he's a giant human being. He's like Earl Campbell light. And I'm telling you, man, this dude is just going to run amok again. And I, I don't care if it's a PPR league. Yards are yards. Points are points. He's going to have 15 touchdowns. He's going to have 1,500 yards. I don't care if he only catches the ball 25, 30 times. I don't care because I'd rather have him than the question mark of, well, what's Kareem Hunt compared in this offense now for a full year with Nick Chubb? Like, I don't know what Nick Chubb becomes this year. He was great last year, but I don't know. Kareem Hunt is there, and he's going to get used. And he wasn't great down me. the stretch. I mean, they were pretty equal down the stretch. Like, their, their points per game were very, very similar down those last four or five games. And all games the targets went away from Chubb, too, exactly. if you recall. All the yeah. targets went away, and that was with um, Kitchens as a head coach. Stefanski is much smarter than Kitchens, <laughs> so they're going to find ways to get Kareem Hunt catching the football with the football in space. So just stay tuned, boys and girls, because – 
Chubb is a dangerous pick in the first round this year. Yeah, I mean, for me, he's almost like this year's Damian Williams. You kind of look at that and you're going on, well, he did it for this opinion of time. Okay, his period of time is longer, but Kareem Hunt is a former league winner himself. Like, he knows how to find the end zone. He knows how to be productive. And Kareem Hunt is the guy that everyone is sleeping on this year, and they're going to regret that. If, if you're taking Chubb so at the 107. shares last year of Kareem Hunt everywhere, every week. Like, how much is Kareem Hunt on DK? Oh, good. Perfect. 3,200. Brilliant. Let's let you <laughs> like he was just, he was perfect. He was perfectly priced, and he was just catching five balls a game, no matter what you did. Oh, it, it's just a drink and true. Like, there's just so many different routes that you can go down with him as well. And it, there's a lot of confusing backfields and i think they're just gonna as you say they're gonna remain modeled for for quite a while i do think taylor wins that job early over mac i think they wouldn't have invested all that money or draft capital forget the money all the draft capital in taylor if they really believed that marlon mac was healthy and i think if it was a third round fourth round fifth round pick you go okay fine a high second for arguably one of the best Running backs in the class tells me everything I need to know about that situation. That the Colts fancy a player fund they've invested in. You know, they've got the lines, they've got the D, they've invested in Rivers for a one year deal. It's telling. It's they they're just gonna go, right, we're just gonna play for the playoffs this year and then we'll 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 do a rebuild on the fly. That is what they're gonna do. They're gonna the just do a rebuild. OTAs concern me, especially the fumble issues on top of it. Because usually what you have to do is you have to get the confidence of the coach, number one. You have to make sure you're not going to fumble the ball away, which Taylor did a lot in, in college. And then you've got to surpass a guy who was pretty good the year before and the year before that. But you're right. He is also on the one last year of his deal. So you could also take the other side of the stance of, well, let's just run Marlon Mack into the ground until we can't anymore. And then we can just pivot to Taylor at some point in the season. That worries me too. So I, I don't, I don't disagree with talent wise. It's really, really intriguing, but this rookie class of running backs, all even Dobbins, like they've all landed in spots with somebody ahead of them on the depth chart in, a, in an offseason where it really is not playing to them getting more playing time early on. It is going to be fascinating to watch how that all unfolds. But the one guy I think has the clearest path, even though Williams is technically ahead of him, is Hilaire, just because he fits so well with the kind of offense that they want to run. He's just a perfect guy for them. Yeah, absolutely. They're almost all perfect dynasty spots, aren't they, where they've landed? Yeah, for, for dynasty, it's great. Like 2021, it's going to be lit with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> but like 2020, I feel like everyone's get this was going to happen. You ready? Here we go. 2020, everyone's going to get really pissy and moany like by week eight. And a lot of people are going to trade off these guys and they're going to get frustrated. And then you're going to have a Devin Singletary or a Miles Sanders like last year have a terrific second half. And remind everybody why you were so excited. I would even recommend in redraft leagues, don't overdraft these guys. If they're not coming at a good value or people are reaching, let them reach. And then go trade for them in middle October and, and, and go that route. I think that's a much safer route to go because people will get frustrated. I guarantee it for you know the first month and maybe even more of the season. Yeah, especially if you're in Dynasty and you've got a 102 to 104 pick and you pick one of the big running back dogs and you think this is going to turn me around and, and they don't do anything for you and you think, Christ, like I need to get rid of this guy, get some. And if you're one of the other teams who are competing and stuff and then you can you can ship out some talent that you might not need but has had a good start to the season, you could almost increase the value of the 101 pick from the player you're getting that the player drafted beforehand and thinking, oh, I need to get rid. So you could get rid of some talent that you don't need. And then you've got yourself a running back set for you. Running back is deeper this year than it's been in a long time. You, yeah. can, go, you can go 30 deep at running back and find guys that you can live with. It's kind of crazy. 
it is, but it also means that the waiver wire should be more active this year because yes, okay, there's guys on the roster, but I, I think people are going to invest early. I think they're going to be very running back heavy drafts this year. Mm-hmm. But I, but I also think there's going to be a lot of guys left behind. There's going to be people that people aren't thinking about right now that could come through and surprise. Um, I think Dobbins is going to be drafted very, very low. I think he's someone that you can snag quite late in redraft. I reckon you could probably get him. I, I haven't seen late, the latest data I saw was like seventh round. I think he's going to fall from there. I don't think people are going to like that this year. And I think he's the perfect example of someone you can snag late. And, right. And he's really a much see better production. ROI. He's a much better ROI. hundred percent. But I, I think there's going to be guys like Antonio Gibson. I don't think he's going to get drafted in redraft. And I think he is a guy who, for me, the way that you basically got a, a recreation of CMC, you put him with the head coach who made CMC, CMC. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen overnight. It might not even happen this season. But what if it did? What if it happened towards the tail end of the season? The skins are playing for nothing. They decide guys is probably back on IR and Peterson's certainly not the future. So let's just dump him and just, Willie, this contract, and he can just sit. Um, and then you got what Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber's just a guy. I mean, I love him to pieces. He's a phenomenal guy, and I've watched him in Tampa, and I got a lot of love for him. But he is a plotter. I think they just give it to Antonio gives it. Let's just see what we got in this guy. And I can think him down the stretch. He's a guy I'd be targeting very late in drafts. The problem is stashing him for so long, but there could be a payoff at the end there in dynasty drafts. I love him, giving me end of the second round all day long. I'll take that to the bank, stash him on the taxi. Yeah, I we'll think McFarland's another guy I would stash too because I don't feel comfortable about at all. You know, this has to be a deeper league or a guy you just kind of monitor on the waiver wire. But McFarland mm-hmm. is another one you kind of look real closely at because Jalen Samuels isn't the answer. Benny Snell right. is a little one-dimensional and Connor is just an injury waiting to happen. So, And he's again, gone next year. If the Steelers, right. if, if the Steelers start to tank um, or fall apart at the beginning of the season, they're in a tough division you fancy Cleveland to be better than they are. You've got the Ravens. They're really third best in their division. Maybe even four. I mean, they've got a great D. That's what makes them third. But they're going to be battling with the Bengals. They're closer to the Bengals than they are to the Ravens and, and even the Browns. So I, I can see them just moving away from Connor with, with weeks to go and thinking, okay, let's just see what we've got in this guy. Because yeah, we've invested uh, a fourth round pick. Let's see what I, we got. Uh, I had enormous reservations about Connor. Uh, I had a lot of Connor shares two years ago with the Le'Veon Bell thing. And then I had zero shares of Connor last year because you had to pay a price. <clears throat> and the price was too much for me. Just like the injuries were too much. I just didn't want to take that risk. Again, with a first round pick, I just don't, I don't, it's not necessary. It's not that you can't do it. It's just what's necessary. And it's not necessary to do that. So um, looking and hedging your bets with McFarlane, I think is very smart this year, it, especially if you're in one of these deeper situations, you know, like a deeper roster, like a Scott Fishbowl kind of roster where you're taking guys. I'd be taking all these guys, just, you know, just waiting and Absolutely. see what happens there and try to make a run because we have a fatuation too with the new toy. You know, everybody last year wanted Justice Hill to be that guy. Oh, Justice Hill's going to take over and they would everyone run to write their narratives. But you had a young quarterback and you had a very good veteran running back with Mark Ingram who is basically like another coach on the field. And when you watch Mark Ingram on the sideline or watch Mark Ingram in the huddle with Lamar Jackson, you could tell that's a very special and important relationship to the success of that team. That's the stuff that doesn't show up in the box score. That's the stuff that people don't pay enough attention to because they don't watch the games enough. When you watch the games, after we've won, you knew Mark Ingram was going nowhere. 
<laughs> like Mark Ingram is, he is an integral part of what they're trying to do. And I honestly don't think he's going anywhere this year either. I know no, everybody wants to like, you know, write him off into the sunset. It's like Frank Gore. It's just not happy. He's ne- <laughs> death taxes and Frank Gore. Like that's what we have. <laughs> Frank Gore's a thing this year. I'll tell you now, if you, if you have Levy and Bell in a dynasty. <laughs> How bad are the Jets? Like the Jets are just, I mean, the Jets roster is so bad. And then this whole thing with Le'Veon Bell. Ugh, you know, you've, you've annoyed your two biggest stars of the team in Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams. Then you got Adam Gase, who's like just completely just out of his gourd. And then they bring in Frank Gore and you know, it, you know, he's going to be the guy at the goal line. It's just going to be so frustrating. I just I can't do it. I just can't yeah. do it. And people are still going to draft Levin Bell in the second round. It's going to be amazing just to watch uh, him go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I can't Cha-ching. do it, man. I can't do it. <laughs> I don't think I could take him in the fifth round at this stage. I really don't. I'm really looking at that though, that level. I'd rather take a punt on someone like David Montgomery, thinking, well, at least he's going to have the opportunity. If he still sucks, it's a fifth round pick. I'll take the punt. But I mean, he's someone I'd have over Lev Bell this year. We just don't see it. I don't see how it's going to happen. But anyway, speaking of resources and things that were going to help people win championships, let's get to the black book because it's out in a couple of weeks time, June 1st. Um, we've been on, we've talked about it before. So I want to know what is new this year with the black book. You've mentioned, you've got a couple of new guys bonus working on it. So yeah. what, what can we expect for, for this year and, um, and get everyone rushing out to, to order this on June, June Well, 1st. it's, uh, it's, it's a fantastic group, um, for black book this year, every year I try to, you know, bring in as many great people as I can. Uh, this year, um, we're, we got Adam Ronis who's doing the wide receivers, we got Elliot Chris doing the running backs. Um, Nate Hamilton's back again. Derek Brown's back again. Kate Magic is is uh, with us this year, so uh, she's joined. Chris McConnell from FSA has joined us. Mike Randall, my partner in crime on the uh, wagering podcast at LineStar, he's doing a wagering chapter for people and to you know who are unfamiliar with some of the sports betting things and some of the NFL wagering stuff and kind of like a best practices thing. So that'll be in there for people to use. Uh, we always do the draft, um, the league specific draft strategy chapters, like for PPR, for standard, for Superflex, like how to approach all of these, what the first couple rounds should look like, how you should approach your drafts, all that stuff, which I think is so much more useful to people than what else is out there typically, because typically we all play different formats. So you don't want to just whitewash everything. Every All the coverage is way too generic. Um, we're not, we're hyper-focused. And I think that's what separates us too, because, you know, on Friday, you might have, you know, a PPR draft, you might have a super flex halfway PPR on Sunday, and you got to know how to fly between those two things. Um, we also have an NFBC chapter this year too. Uh, Billy Wasowski, who is one of the best NFBC players out there, uh, did our chapter this year. So a strategy for how to approach high stakes leagues, if you're doing NFBC this year. So that's going to be a must read too. Uh, my boy, Chris Meany with the athletic and line star podcast is uh, back again. Uh, we got team by team previews. We've got the specific draft strategy chapters breakdown. We've, we've got it all, man. We, it's going to be a fantastic book. And of course my boy, Scott Bogman, who's Mr. College football doing all the rookies and all the breakdowns. I mean, we have undrafted free agent stuff. Like, you know, nobody does that. We do that. You know, and that's the thing. That's if you're a dynasty league player, the black book is your thing. If you're a regular, you know, season long, you know, just redraft league player, we're your thing. We service everything. And I think that's why we're so successful because I feel like that's what everybody does now. Everyone's got their hands in a lot of pie. <laughs> so, yeah. right. Like, you know, you've got keeper leagues and dynasty leagues and you got redraft leagues and you got different formats and 
we want to be the one book to rule them all kind of like lord of the rings you know like that's us and you definitely do and and i think at the heart of it we've picked up a lot of listeners probably since you were on last year talking about last year's black book at the heart of that is a really really simple formula that helps you determine where players are that it's highly successful which is that you know relative positional value so can you just explain to people who perhaps haven't heard this before know what it is just explain that a little bit to explain why it's so successful and give people a reason really to go out and and buy this sure well relative position value or rpv is the system we use and you know it's not one of these heavily weighted metric systems that make you want to pull your hair out and you're just like not that i would ever want you to pull your luscious hair out because it is (laughs) let me tell you no, I'm all but, over RPV. But, what they, <laughs> but, but, you know, the problem is I want something that I can look at, understand, and use. I want something that's adaptable to all my formats. I want something that's applicable to all my leagues. And I want something that's not just for drafts, but for evaluating trades and, and evaluating rosters and just going through the entire year. And for DFS, we, you know, we always have the DFS chapter too. Elliot's doing that. But it's, it's basically, it tells you, you know, by using this little percentage formula, how much better a player is than another player. And RB1 is a position. Running back is a position, but RB1 is a roster spot. So it tells you where the fantasy league average is and how much better, say, the top of the board is at that position. How much better is Christian McCaffrey than the next running back? You want, you want a shocking number? I'm going to shock you because I've, in all the years I'm doing this, this is 10 years of the black book. Now, 10 years is our 10th anniversary. There is never been a number like this ever last year, RB ones in PPR top 12. That means comparing the top 12 running backs to each other. Christian McCaffrey was a 63.5% RPV advantage over the fantasy league average RB one. That means he was 63% more productive last year on a weekly basis than the middle of the pack RB1. And most teams all have one RB1 on their roster. The next guy in PPR was Aaron Jones at plus nine. 63 to nine. Now I understand that, you know, Saquon Barkley got hurt and, you know, Ezekiel Elliott wasn't quite as you know, bonkers as some other years, but still that is a number I have never seen and I never will again probably, but it just tells you that gives you an indication. Cause you say, well, where are the tiers? Well, I can quantify the tiers. And I can tell you where those players are in the negative below the fantasy league average and why you shouldn't reach for them. You know, why guys, you know, who might be dangerous this year, you know, potentially on those offenses, why Leonard Fournette could be a dangerous pick again this year, why you have to look at these things and it uses projections. It uses previous season stats. It uses three-year averages when they're applicable and it puts them all together. And then it then compares all the players. And it's, it's the one thing that you can look at and it just makes sense. And you go, oh, this makes sense. It's rankings, but they're quantified. Opinions are great, but everybody's got one. And everybody else is going to be reading all of everyone else's opinions. And then people have tears. But you know what? That's not enough. You need to go deeper. You need to do a better job. And you need to quantify that. And when you can, that's what RPV does. And that's why people keep coming back for the Black Book. Because they, you know, we're not a major publication in the sense of like, we're not like from Rotowire. It's like, nope, we're an independent brand. And we spank everybody every year in sales. We were the number one football book last August on Amazon, not fantasy football book in Amazon in August last year. And that's you because beat TB12. That's right. We beat TB12 one year. Oh my God. That was so bittersweet <laughs> for me. You have no idea. I was like happy and sad at the same time, but we beat Nick Foles book too. Uh, we beat Joe Namath's book last year. We were ahead of him for a couple of weeks. 
but that's the thing. Like if people weren't having massive success, we wouldn't be doing the numbers we do. So it, it's there cause it works. And every year we just try to do better. And every year I try to, you know, bring more people on that I think are, can really be useful there. So it's, I'm very proud of it and I'm very thankful and grateful for all of our readers over the years and listeners to the show too. Absolutely. And so just on that, people can sit here, listen to this, thinking this is going to cost an arm and a leg. It is the most affordable book on the market. Fourteen ninety nine. It's cheaper yeah, than I mean, <laughs> Here in the UK, it's like 11 or 12 pounds. It's 11 or 12 pounds on Prime, on Amazon. Um, I think the Kindle version is even cheaper. Um, it's, yeah, nine American for... Uh, yeah, so I think it's like seven pounds or something here. If you want it on e-reader, the Kindle, etc. And, you know, it is so... It's so affordable. It's just give it a try because you've got nothing to lose. It's it's not a lot of money. It's not a, a fifty pound book or a thirty pound book. You know, it's it's nothing. No, it's a, it's not even like, an entry lead. Ron Chandler, he's a friend of mine. He's the godfather of you know fantasy baseball. But like Ron Chandler's book, I I I I have no use. I can't use it. Like it's great. It's cool. It's interesting. But I have no use for it. I can't apply it, and it drives me crazy. There's so much work goes into it, and everybody buys it, and I go. I don't, and it's not a knock on them. It's just, I personally, I can't wrap my mind around all of the projections and all the best case scenarios. No, no, no. I want something that's based in reality because that's where I play fantasy. I don't know about you, but I play fantasy in reality. I don't play in the best case scenarios. I want to know what is and what was and what will be this year. And I think that is so much more important than wrapping your mind around like, oh, well, this could be this. Okay, that's great. Well, what if it's not? And I think that's that's the bigger issue I have with a lot of the content out there. We also put it on that that nice paper you can highlight and write notes on, not like that crappy magazine paper too. So I know a lot of people like that too because you can do little highlighters and make little notes and do little things on there. So uh, And we do the cheat sheets too, which we started doing last year, which were wildly successful that we update every couple of weeks as injuries and other things happen. So you know, for five extra bucks, you get the cheat sheets for all the formats for RPV every couple of weeks they update. Which is amazing. So yeah. you got, there's no reason not to buy it. Definitely get it. It's definitely go. worth it. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> Black book. There's no reason not to buy it. There's no reason not to buy it. There really hey, is really? no reason. What's your problem? Stocks, what's your problem? <laughs> um, I love it. It's, I, you know, I bought the last few. It's, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's one up. You know. I think that's how I came on, right? You had you had gotten it, and then you said, "Hey, I got this book. It's it's good. I like it. Will you come talk to me?" I feel like that was our first conversation. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty. Yeah, pretty much. I think. Yeah, I'd heard you on Fantasy Pros. I went out, and bought the book immediately, and was like, "Right, this guy's a dude. I'll get him." And then mentioned that I'd heard you on Fantasy Pros podcast a couple of years ago, and was like, "Right, just come on." And uh, I bought your book, and uh, let's check it out. And uh, yeah, and, and and ever since, not looked back. And. Uh, you know, that's the great thing. And, and you answer so many questions on Twitter. You're very active on Twitter. So if anybody has questions and they buy the book, I think that's what, another ad of, of the book itself is you get you at least to the sense of if it's an interesting question and, you know, you, you can point to you and, and you will answer as many as you can uh, on Twitter. And I know a lot of our readers who or listeners who have bought the book and they've interacted with you and, and asked questions and got responses. So. Yeah. Well, look, I care more about your fantasy team than mine. And that's the problem with a lot of analysts out there. They care so much about their own egos. A lot of them about being right about this or wrong about this and all these things, or, you know, they, you know, you got to take hits when you're wrong. I'm wrong about stuff. Not that often. Otherwise I wouldn't be here talking to you, but at the same time, it's like, we get, we get stuff wrong. I remember one year in the baseball book, I said about Dallas Keuchel, I said, look, he's all right, but it's not like he's never going to win a Cy Young any one year. And he won the Cy Young that year. So, you know, I'm good to always, like, you know, 
you know, be a little self-deprecating and take a hit. But the problem is I think there's too much of a, you know, so many guys at some of the major sites, they care so much about their own brand more than everyone else's success. And you see it like you see in these mocks, like I get invited to these expert mocks with like Fabiano and Marcus and, you know, all those guys and rank and, and they all do such a great job. And then there's some other people, like, I feel like they just do things just to, just to see or to get people talking about them. And that's crap. Like, what are we doing here? I'm supposed to be drafting this team. Like I'm going to play against these people. And I, and you have to take it that seriously. Otherwise, what am I doing here? Like, it's just, it's not about my thing. It's about your success. And that I wish there was a little bit more of that in this industry sometimes from the top. Yeah. These mock things are crazy. I was on one a few days ago and yeah, I joined a first pick, literally the one Oh one in a startup um, mock was Christian McCaffrey. You're like, fine. The 102, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. See, yes. I'm done. I'm out. This, right. is not a, this is not a real mock. We're done. This <laughs> is it. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is not going to be the 102. Be, and if he is, why would you take him there when you might be able to get him on? You could take Barkley Enough. or Elliott or Thomas and then maybe get him in the second round. I just like, I Why would you even do that? I mean, you probably won't. It's. This I, I got all the Barkley time. at the 105, and I was just like, this is never Look, real. What's the there's point? There's very few years where you take a rookie and you put him in the first round. I've done it twice in 10 years. First time was Ezekiel Elliott. I had no reservations because at the time, too, that line was just terrific. That was the height of that offensive line in Dallas. And sure enough, he was a first-round talent. And then a couple years, two years ago, Saquon Barkley, I think we had number six overall in PPR, and people were like, what are you, drunk? And I said, no, no, no. I just know what I see, and I'm telling you right now, this guy is, he's all world, and he's going to be the offense, and he was. So we're very careful. I don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I love him, mm. is Barkley or Elliott. He ain't that no, guy. absolutely not. No, so, he won't have and, and, and Patrick Mahomes throws the ball a ton. <laughs> Can we also talk about that? <laughs> exactly that. Oh it's crazy. He's got to throw for 5,000 yards this year, probably. Jeez. <laughs> oh, you know, there's so much to go around. I love it. So we've got a few minutes left. Let's talk about probably one of my favorite things and things I get asked about more often than not on Twitter is I've started a new league and it's, uh, you know, how do I make it fun? How do I make a really engaging league? I'm sick of playing against bots or sick against, you know, where there's no action. You know, so many people ask me, how do I make a really fun, engaging league? So, the man himself who <laughs> plays in so many leagues and it's pretty much written the book on this. What are some of the tips that you can give new commissioners or people who are commissioners who are starting up a new league and think, actually, I want to do something different. I want to create a really fun, engaging league. What are some of the things that you can, you know, just yeah, share? Oh, sure. There's a lot tips. of things. Uh, the first thing I think you could do first off, when you're assembling a league, find 12 people who are passionate in the, about it. You know, because I think that's the first and foremost. Um, number two, um, if you don't have any friends, uh, find people that at least in a place where, you know, they take it seriously and you're challenging. And maybe you're better off going into a high stakes league and an NFBC and some of those formats. And because you know, everyone there is going to care. So you might be better off there, even though you say, oh, I'm a little intimidated. If you know what you're doing, you shouldn't be intimidated. If you have a good knowledge of the player pool and you're a really strong fantasy player, I don't think you should be intimidated by those kind of spots. And there's, you know, not every buy-in is a thousand dollars, you know, there's ones in the hundreds you can do. Uh, so that's another alternative. But if you're looking to just kind of make your league better, the first thing I would say is make it super flex because 
utilizing two quarterbacks changes everything. It, it values quarterback more, which is the highest scoring position in fantasy every year. And what it does is it also allows you to overcome injuries in a much greater fashion than let's say, you know, having, you know, when you drop the running back and they get hurt and that's it standard, you know, you're kind of done when you have a super flex or an OP spot or whatever you end up calling it, it opens you up to a different strategy. And then all of a sudden quarterback, you know, isn't, well, you only need 12 of them in the whole league starting every week. It's, oh my God, everybody's got 24. And then that third quarterback is huge. Uh, it ends up fostering more trading. It makes for a more active league every week with buys, dropping and adding. There's so much more that goes into a super flex that I think automatically makes everybody more engaged. And on top of that, for people who are newer to fantasy, the most identifiable player on every team is the quarterback. So you know, like for people in the UK just getting into football, right? Most of them know the quarterback. So they all know the third wide receiver on the Packers. No, Aaron Rodgers doesn't even know who the third wide receiver on the Packers is. <laughs> I thought it was uh, you. Are you not doing that this year? We're, we're working toward that. I heard they were going to trade up for me too. <laughs> but making it a super flex league automatically, I think, engages everybody. It adds an extra wrinkle. It adds a different philosophy. And it opens up the board a little bit where it's not just running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, running back. It's all of a sudden it's running back, running back, quarterback running back, running the quarterback. And then you, you start to see, oh, everything shifts. And if it's a full point PPR and a super flex, it really changes things. So be careful of bad scoring systems. Avoid scoring systems like you were talking about before the show where, you know, 60 points for a certain defense that's mediocre. <laughs> no, that's a bad scoring system. So pick a good scoring system. Pick something simple. Don't try to recreate the wheel. But instead, if you're in a shallow league, like a 10 player, you only can find 10 friends, right? You only have 10 friends definitely make it extra flex spots use more of the player pool and challenge yourselves that way so everybody doesn't have all-star teams i think those are some of the things and if you really want to go crazy make it an auction because snake drafts are pretty predictable for the most part but in an auction draft everybody starts out with the same money and everybody starts out with their own knowledge and it's a very level playing field and it is fascinating to watch how different that room can operate. And if you want a player, you can get that player. You just have to be smart enough to field an entire roster around that player. I have a quick question, Joe, and this mm -hmm. is massively selfish. I'm about to be on the clock in a super flex league. You'll be proud of me, by the way. I, uh, you just I signed am... up in the middle of that long speech. He signed up for one. Right no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fully committed to it <laughs> he, now. But he felt inspired. I did, yeah. I was He's like, like, I'm going to join one right now. Four. So I, I actually joined four. You, you'd be surprised. Um, but I love Superflex. It's so much fun. I'm and I am the reigning Flex Superflex League champion, by the way. I beat Adam Ronis in the final, which will never happen anywhere. Because <laughs> in my opinion, he's the best. Like, if you ask me, like, who am I afraid of playing in a league? It's always Adam. doesn't matter if it's baseball, if it's football. He has no kids. He can spend way more time than I can on anything. And he's super smart to begin with. That's a dangerous combination. <laughs> But I cannot wait to get that damn belt because I get a belt. And you know yeah. me, I'm a big wrestling guy. I just can't wait to hoist that damn belt. So all this COVID stuff needs to go away so I can get that belt. <laughs> is, no one put, is no one putting it in the mail to you? Uh, Jake's got it in his house. I'm like, can you just mail it to me so I can walk around with it? And he's like, no, nah, you yeah. can't get it in the draft. It's whatever. Ah, uh, we jerk. We <laughs> no, you, you'd be proud of me, Joe. I'm notoriously um, okay. late with my quarterbacks, even in Superflex, to the point okay. where in a – which is why I wanted to know about Jared Stidham earlier. I drafted Jared Stidham as my first quarterback in the oh, Superflex draft the other day. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that route. Yeah, but you see, I, here you go. Here's where RPV comes into practice. If you have a true number one, and then you draft another low-end one, you've created an advantage on the rest of the league. And at the same time, you've weakened the player pool at that position. 
So that's right away how RPV turns into strategy. So Stidham's your one. Who's next? Are we always a time. Drew Locke must be off the board already if we're down to Stidham. Oh no! I like I I completely. Yeah, he tanked. he did not do that. All right. So I who's next? So we got Stidham is the one. Where where are we going next? Um, I I did though draft Hoyer as well to make sure I had both in case. <laughs> there you go. There's a roster spot that's going to be lit I, on fire. What else? What else you got? <laughs> well, let me let me tell you where he drafted his first QB. His first QB, he drafted three. They came off the board. His first QB in the Superflex came off at the 1201. Who's, who's, the, who's the other quarter? Who's the third guy? Mitch Trubisky. He got four. Yeah, he got Mitch Jared Stidham. <laughs> well, it's not the strategy I would go for. But, but he's, Depending on the scoring. I mean, then again, too, you know, if it's... Oh, no, no. Quarterbacks scoring, are important in this. And then, I, then I think it's... A, but then, but, so here was the thing. So he set up the draft. Uh, you know, he's fine. I thought he's going to take Tua or Burrow because what nope. we did is we did a setup and then did the rookie draft. He was because he was the twelve, he was going to get the first pick in the rookie draft uh, immediately after this draft. So it's like right, okay, he's going to take Burrow or he's going to take Tua uh, with the one hundred and one. Nope. <laughs> I think Tua is going to play more games than other people do. I'm I'm going to die on this hill. You know, every year I pick a couple of hills to die on. I can already feel that being one of them where. Everyone's like, oh, Tua's going to play two games. You're going to play four games. Like, no. Well, what, what I did in that league was I built strength everywhere else and prepared uh-huh. to tank for Lawrence next year. I'm happy with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, and let's, let's face it, if Jared Stittman is the guy and I get Lawrence and Stittman going forward, then... It's not oh, bad. I'm, I'm this, league, this, this league got so... Because what happened was they didn't put the taxi uh, slots on straight away, so they equated it into the draft. It was a 27-round draft. And because at the end, the last three rounds were basically drafting people that we knew we were going to cut for rookies that we were drafting. I ended up draw. I, I ended up because the player pool just ran out. I ended up drafting like Keller Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just because there was. A, so you're in the same league. Who are you? Yeah, I took Russell Wilson at the 301, Matt Ryan at the 412. That's a, That's a very good value. Ben yeah. Roethlisberger at the 1101. I smell a trade here for Roethlisberger at some point. And well, then, I was, ho- I was hoping then, Big Ben then, would fall and, and never... The people I was hoping would get back to me, like Minshew, Tannehill, they all sort yeah. of disappeared real quick. <laughs> did and Cam then, Newton then, get drafted? Where is he drafted? I'm curious. Is somebody... Uh, he did, Someone, I think... Yeah, I think someone drafted him. The the player pool is very thin now. I did take for for fun, just for absolute giggles in the twenty first round. I did take PJ Walker. Oh, look at that! Another one. Another great I was just name like, ah, oh, I just think I just think Teddy's so boring. I was like, maybe people will fall asleep watching. I him assume and just Andy put... Dalton's not available either anymore, right? <laughs> no, the draft the draft's done. They've all they've all been drafted, man. They've literally all, all gone. Right. But then I I joined another Superflex uh, yesterday or the day before, and I thought I'm I'm not doing this again. So I I and people didn't know it was this is the kicker. They didn't know it was Superflex. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and I was my plan was to go Lamar. Mahomes at the tw- I was tw- drafting 12 again and I was going to get Lamar and Mahomes and that would be done but there's a Chiefs fan at seven and he drafted Patrick and his excuse for drafting Mahomes was well I get my guy then I know that no one else can have him because I'm a Chiefs fan and I'm thinking god damn it man you didn't yeah, even know this really is super flexing no but you know what I mean that's I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't let Mahomes go past there if I was in that same guy's spot no matter what even, even though it wasn't like my team or whatever I would yeah, but he didn't Mahomes know a... Superflex. He didn't know. <laughs> oh, well, well, he stepped in crap then. Yeah. So it's good for him. So, I mean, I don't know. It just, you know, in Superflex, it's a different animal. And the quarterback gets hurt far less. And they're, you know, 
he, they have the ball in their hand more than anybody else. And especially these quarterbacks who can run like Josh Allen, like Lamar, you know, it's very different, but this is a unique year, you know, going into it because there's also, it's a really, there's a really strong second tier of quarterbacks. If you don't want to pay for the elite guys, you can go down the route of, you know, Phillip Rivers with a great offensive line for the first time in years. Like, you know, there's Tom Brady in a different scenario with, you know, these, wide receivers he hasn't had in a long time there there's a lot of guys out there mostly the veteran group there there's a veteran group and then there's this other tier of the daniel jones and the drew locks and those other guys kind of coming up too but there's a lot more depth and a lot more maneuverability than i think in the past in superflex this particular year especially in redraft because there's there's a definitive veteran group that is only going to hang on for another year or two and it's it's Breeze and Brady and Roethlisberger and all these guys, but I mean, and Ryan Rogers, but there's definitely this other group underneath them, the lesser known version of Daniel Jones and some other guys like that, that, you know, again, they might not be perfect quarterbacks, but they, they score fantasy points. And I think that's, that's what you're looking for more than anything. And I'm curious to see where Deshaun Watson gets knocked down because I think that's a mistake. He's going to figure out something. He's too good of a quarterback. But I think it's a mistake to knock him down too far. So keep an eye out for him dropping in super flex drafts because even though they're going to be a hot mess, there's going to be enough garbage time for him and, and stats to make up for it in fantasy. Okay, Joe. Yeah. Right. We're going to finish this off with a spicy fantasy hot take. And I've got a question Ooh. for you. And the answer is is one of the above. Who's going to be the better tight end, Jono Smith or Ian Thomas? <sighs> <laughs> this, is, this is that hard surely this is, uh, I'm, not, I'm just i'm just thinking about it i th- i think i think it's gonna be johnny smith I okay that, that's what i needed to know this was completely personal it's not the fantasy hot take th- have I you got your own is. fantasy hot take joe no but I, I don't right now i've got warm breezes more than i got hot takes right now well, well, how, how wait I, I need to get back to this how is johnny smith higher than 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 Thomas on your on your this well, I got here. I'm talking about yeah, here's the I'm talking when you when you're looking at what you know is available to these offenses. There's a lot more available in Carolina. <laughs> you know, there's you know I think DJ Moore is spectacular. Chris McCaffrey might be you know the best fantasy player on the planet. And then they've added Robbie Anderson. I know Bridgewater doesn't throw a good deep ball, but just his presence is good. And then Ian Thomas is there, and Ian Thomas is talent, but. It's the matter of where can we get to, whereas Jonu Smith, I think I saw some flashes last year of him in this particular offense where Tannehill isn't the greatest quarterback in the world. And Tannehill, although he got paid, he really only has one target. And the one target in this offense is A.J. Brown. They're going to have to establish another one. And the Titans historically have been very good utilizing the tight end. And I think a healthy Jonu Smith actually is going to get a lot of action. You can argue who's the better talent, but I think I think that Jonu Smith is going to be more productive in his specific offense because i think they need him to be more productive there i think you're sleeping too much on adam <laughs> humphreys my friend adam, adam humphreys is gonna be adam adam humphreys will be the third read in that offense they paid him far too much money to to not be i know but he didn't he wasn't there last year so he was injured I mean, yeah he was i know yeah, but so was johnny smith you know i remember humphreys having a terrific Second half two years ago, he just does, he was a touchdown machine for the Bucks. But it was. I don't know, man. Like you know, sometimes those guys kind of flash and then fade away. Whereas, I, I think that Tannehill kind of fits there a little bit with with Johnny. Fair dinkum. I like it. So, Joe, this has been an absolute blast as always, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. Why don't you once again let Rush Nation, Nation know where they can find you on Twitter and more importantly, where they can go and buy the Black Book? Well, you can go get the Black Book. It should be out June 1st. Might be out a couple of days earlier. We'll see how things go. 
but definitely by June 1st for sure. Uh, and that's available on Amazon and then usually like uh, and for Kindle and paperback. And then usually like a week or two later, it gets on iTunes because uh, iTunes is a pain in the ass. You know, they just they have so much red tape and nonsense, but whatever, I do it anyway. Uh, also, you can go check me out on the Twitter machine at Joe Pizapia 17. And uh, I'm on seven days a week now on Sports Grid, uh, which is over on Zumo and Pluto uh, TV, all the streaming services and Stir. Not sure what you know is available in the UK. Imagine it's all available somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure you, but I mean it's on the internet, so it's got to be available. You yeah. got to be able to get some of it. But uh, I'm there uh, hosting Fancy Sports today, six days a week, Monday through Saturday, and uh, doing the baseball show right now, Diamond Bets, and then hopefully in the fall again, I'll be hosting the NFL pregame over there, which was super fun. So if you're looking for a fantasy related pregame show, that's the one. So it's over there on Sports Grid on the mornings on Sunday. So uh, it's always so fun to talk to you guys. It's a fun vibe. It just feels like, you know, sitting down to the pub with your buddies and talking football. And that's, I always think, where it's at its best. Hey, man. And uh, I'm definitely still planning on coming to New York. I know, this- dude. Our plans got <laughs> ruined. I, believe me, I thought about that. I was like, man, and Murph was going to come here. We're going to hang out and have some cocktails. I'm still coming. Um, you come it, to my house. We'll get cocktails out back. It'll be nice. That I love. I'll fire that's up the barbecue. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I'm in. <laughs> well, Rush Nation, Joe will be back again, no doubt about it. Joe, you take care. Stay safe in these troubling times. Murph, you too. Rush Nation, keep washing those hands. Washing those hands. I got to the end before I should have done. But until next week, don't forget, keep rushing. can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 